Cinema Oddities, Late Night Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre nor more off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinema Oddities, we're actually starting a new series. We're out of Monstober, but we have some uh, some tendrils of it still creeping in, I would say, especially after last week's Monstober in November episode. Is this the pattern? Like, you know, we had Goosebumps in September. Now we're getting another movie in November. Like, is, is Monstober just going to grow and take over everything else? Is that your plan, Zach? November. No. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, even though we have a uh, some slight tie into Monstober, this theory... The theory series we are calling Fansgiving slash Fanvember. I don't think Zach and I ever settled on one. It's just become synonymously both. And as we said all throughout Monstober, this month we're taking fan requests. So we've had a bunch of people send us requests through email, through Twitter, Facebook, face to face, yelling at us on the street, just like we usually say. And we've picked a few of them. And we are going to be directing our conversation at you people. The audience, because you put us through this hell this time, even though I don't think it'll all be hell. So, Zach, I wanted to throw it over to you, because really, I guess this was your idea to do something like this in November, this Fansgiving slash Fanvember. Um, I guess also, thank you to Emily, the first fan request we ever did. I think this kind of got the ball rolling. But was there anything more you wanted to say about the history of, of Fanvember, Fansgiving? Uh, no, not really. I think it was just an idea. My pitch is to Rob is an idea to kind of like thank our listener. And all they do when it comes to supporting the podcast, do a little bit of suggestions, kind of pat everybody on the head. Unfortunately, like Rob has always said, uh, everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. So this this for the person who are about to, well, you know now, whoever, if you do listen, hopefully you listen after you suggested it, that this is your one. You never get to recommend another movie ever again. So uh, it was, I'm pleased with your choice, but you have one shot and you shot it. Let's hope it works. Would we like to give a shout out as to who requested this and where they requested it on? Because I don't have that information. So that would be Zach if he wants no, to do folks, that. No, folks. If you send anything to Cinematis on Twitter, you are sending it exclusively to moi. Chances are, unless it's something insanely comical or bizarre, Rob is never looking, never going to look at it. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> but the person who recommended us to watch House 2, The Second Story, possibly one of Rob's favorite sequel subtitles ever which we actually now that i think about we have a quite a laundry list of sequel subtitles we have electric boogaloo day of the soldado confessions of a trick baby confessions of a trick baby crimes of grindelwald oh good lord there's even a die harder like god the (laughs) list just keeps going on and on like there's so many fantastic sequel titles out there oh yeah this one i i think i've been laughing about this one ever since zach put in the spreadsheet the second house two, the second story it's perfect Yes, and it's been in the spreadsheet for a while because the person who recommended it to us is at VBS underscore official underscore. And on April 11th, they recommended it to me, sending me a tweet on Twitter. I just watched a movie called House 2, and I think y'all might want to check it out. It was super bonkers, but also a really fun movie. In terms of it being super weird, you might be able to classify it as cinemati, or at least a light, a light night movie. I don't, I don't do light nights, okay? <laughs> They're heavy, folks. Rob, Rob doesn't know the word light. True that. True that. But no, but then this was back in April, and then again in October, 
VBS contacted me again and said, in case y'all review House 2, I'd also like to throw in my snack idea. Oh, perfect! Yes, so... Do you want me to read it now, Rob, or read it later? Let's do it at the end with uh, with hours right. type of thing. All right. Cool beans. Right on. Did he just give... Did they... I, I'm not assuming anybody's gender here except mine and Zach's. Uh, did they give just snacks, or do they also give, like, a cinemodity and late-night classification for them? No. Just, I guess, just, just imp- a snack. Imp- I guess kind of implicitly, like you said, you know, you guys might find it as a, a cinemodity or a, a late-night movie. Um Okay, okay. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, we're the keepers of that, so they shouldn't recommend. <laughs> well, they, they did say Cinemati, so. True, okay, okay. Well, like, like Zach said, thank you to, uh, to uh, at VBS official. Thanks for throwing this one our way. I guess we're going to get into it now, this big discussion. Um, but thanks to all our fans for recommending things, and, you know, as we go on, if uh, we pick your movie and you did not give us snacks, I also want to say, you know, feel free to reach out to us and Send some snacks our way. It'll be added uh, to the the trash portion of the spreadsheet, the circular filing bin. But no, no, uh, definitely we like getting this this fan feedback because I'm interested to see what snacks were were said for this one. So the next thing before we fully get into this movie, I want to tell everybody. I want to tell Zach. I want to tell at VBS official. I want to tell our audience. There is nothing that can be done that will stop my train. Of house TV show references this episode, okay? You can't do oh, it. Oh boy! You cannot. You cannot stop oh, me. Oh boy! Because uh, this is this is clearly a sequel to House, the TV show, right? Oh, well, I think that's one of the alternate dimensions, probably. <laughs> it's somewhere in the house of House Two. You can get into yes. the Princeton Plainsboro Teaching Hospital. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else, Zach, I think we should get into it. How do you want to break down? A fans giving fan member request. Do we want to start with general thoughts and then get into it, or what were you what were you thinking? Uh, yeah, because this is uh, I think uh, Rob and I both had never seen this movie before. We never heard of it prior to the suggestion by BBS. Not at all, and I had never even heard of the first House movie. No, I hadn't even seen the first one. And there's four of them apparently. <laughs> yes, there are indeed four House movies, um, and a TV show based off the movies, oh, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, I meant that as in House MD, but oh, see, I thought House MD was like a prequel, but I see what you're saying. Oh, prequel! <laughs> I figured it was a loose adaptation, very uh, well, loose. Well, I guess, uh, I guess, if you haven't seen all eight seasons of House, remember it ends with House doing heroin and then faking his death so he doesn't have to go back to jail and he can spend his he can spend uh, Wilson's his best friends like last six months because Wilson gets cancer because the show was so stupid at the end of eight seasons they were like oh yeah the cancer doctor's gonna get cancer that's clever right so I think this takes place you know Wilson's dead House is you know living his life a luxury under many different names and I think he you know kind of embodies or, or portrays in this film part of the uh, McLaughlin family. And even though they're played by different actors, uh, I, I still think this is Gregory House. <laughs> yes. But no, so like how we picked, I guess a little peek behind the curtain, how we decided fan get fan member fans giving was that uh, we had three spots open in November. Obviously we're good. Dr. Sleep took up one, the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving episode. It's its own thing. So we had three, but we eventually decided and by we, I mean, I just kind of forced it at Rob and he didn't object. Was that I would pick a fans giving choice. 
he would pick one, and the third one would be a mutual choice between the two of us, which is yep. still both of those latter two have still to be determined. Yeah, I'm still a little shocked that I think I get it because you know you when you said, "Oh, I'll choose one, and you choose one, Rob." I was like, "What? I get a choice?" And he was like, "No, no, no. It, it's from the fans, so it's like you don't get the choice. You get to choose from the fans." So exactly, so ev- everything since the fourth month of sketch comedy is still holding true. I'm yes. still limited in my abilities after that. <laughs> He's still on probation, folks, and it's gonna be a while until he gets let out. A while, <laughs> and it, it's it's double. It's not double secret probation. It's like just quadruple out in the open probation <laughs> oh yeah it's it's there folks there's no arguing with it it's ironclad but no so when this was recommended i always kind of had this in the back of my mind because with a premise or i'm sorry with a title like house to the second story i'm like oh man this is gonna be like pulpy crap and <laughs> i i never watched a trailer for it i know vbs sent me the trailer at least once prior to all, like me deciding on this and when i mean like crap i don't mean like garbage i mean like crap in the same way that like eating a hot dog can be delicious on a hot summer day mm-hmm. um and that's kind of the best way to look at this movie going in and then after seeing it i wouldn't call this like a hot dog i'd call this kind of like a nice kfc bucket meal like is it gonna get you fat and it has no substance yeah but i had a good time while i watched it i uh, i i think i would have to agree for the most part I guess the first thing I should say is, you know, 20 minutes into this movie, I was just, everything was happening that I did not expect. I I never (laughs) would have expected this movie to go down in such a way uh, that it does. And I guess we'll get into that more in particular with some, when we break down some scenes and stuff. But I I also had fun watching this movie. I'm glad I watched it. Um, I I guess we should say this is available on YouTube if anyone wants to find it. Um, I, I did like it so much that I, you know, kind of ripped it off of YouTube to have it for later. I, I think the one thing that got me, though, is some of the goofiness in this movie got really unbearable at certain points. And I, I, I liked a lot of it. Like, a lot of it was just, I think, crazy for the sake of crazy. Like, literally one of my notes near the end of the movie is, now they have swords? And <laughs> <laughs> But, like, some some scenes are just so over-the-top goofy where what they get the skull in, in Jurassic Park and... He lifts it up like He-Man, and he's like, we have the skull! And it gets taken by the pterodactyl. I'm like, fuck this. Like, fuck needing the plot to move. But but we'll get in. So there was some stuff that graded on me. But for the most part, I definitely had fun. And, um, of course, we get John Ratzenberger. Oh, oh. In a great, greatest cameo or scenes or whatever you want to call it. But, oh, well, I guess we'll have to get there. But I'm with you, Zach. This was good fun. Some of it I had some issues with just for me personally. But overall... I, I can't believe, you know, this was something that neither of us knew about prior to this viewing. Yeah, I was 100% ignorant to this movie, folks. This is one of those ones where I truly went in blind, uh, didn't read anything about it. And to be fair, after I watched it and tried to read up about it, there wasn't much to read. <laughs> um, this movie really doesn't have any sort of uh, meaningful legacy. I know it's been released like on like a collector's Blu-ray set. So it, it, it's gotten the attention and respect it deserves. But like I've always oh. said, anything that shows up for free on YouTube, it means that whoever holds the copyright just doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, and that's the sad thing. Because this is this is something that really, uh, again, we'll delve into it further as time goes on. But this is, this is solid, like, all-ages entertainment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that was really what hit me that I didn't expect. Like, going into this, I did not look a lot into it. And I thought it was going to be like a, a horror movie. I didn't know it was going to be this goofy, and I didn't know it was going to be so family-oriented also. 
Yeah, it really is. Because, like, yes, there are some, like, over-the-top moments. And the premise is a little, like, uh, I don't want to say macabre. But it's it's closer to that than anything else. But no, it's it's in a weird way. As I was, I re I rewatched it because the first time I oh, watched okay. it, I kind of didn't know what to make of it. And I'm like, oh, I, I get it though. But the second time, because I was kind of thinking back to it like earlier, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember much about it. I really need to rewatch it again to get it for. It's not like most of the other Cinematis conversations were. If it's a Zach's choice, I know it inside out. And if it's a Rob choice, it just uh, what was the phrase you used, Rob? Uh, file it in the circular bin. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't it doesn't go immediately into the garbage can. So. I I figured, okay, I have to actually do research for this. And as I was rewatching it, I'm like, this is the kind of movies that like Disney used to make like in the 80s and 90s. This is like before like everything relied on like animation that cost like two, like 150 million dollars or again now where it's just everything's just tentpole after tentpole blockbuster. Yeah. These are the sort of just like adventure films that really were kind of just like or maybe this specific type of adventure film or this genre was exclusive to like the mid late 80s and then like partially the early 90s this is a, in a weird way this felt almost like a disney channel movie yeah that's a good point i i was kind of trying to get a sense when i was watching it because some of it i was like oh this gives me a little bit of a goosebumps vibe or like a tales from the dark side vibe but as i kept watching it I got less of that sense and more of like the family friendly, like Disney or ABC family type of stuff. Of course, Disney. But yeah, it, it was it was totally unexpected. And I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did, especially with the scenes of like, tell us your stories, Gramps and stuff like that. Well, I think that's kind of the reason why this movie does resonate is that you do have those like schmaltzy elements to it that don't hit you over the head. This isn't uh, like a Steven Spielberg sort of schmaltzy where all the characters glow mm. and it's like in the music swells. And even though it does have elements of those things, but I do think a lot of this movie kind of comes down the sh like the shoulders of like the character of Gramps. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. he, like that character, if it weren't for him, I think this movie would collapse under its own weight. Yeah, I think it would fall more into the category of, oh, this is like the horror trope I've seen a million times before. Guys in a new house, something weird happens, he has to stop it. But this, we get this side, like, swipe of, oh, I found my great-great-grandfather, and the main villain doesn't even show up till like, the last 15 minutes. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he shows, what, he shows up in the first five, and he kind of is the, 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 the third act kind of villain. Yeah, give me the skull. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of it. Like, it, it really, like... Uh... In like research on this, there wasn't a lot of I, I didn't check any podcasts, but like YouTube, very slim pickings on YouTube when it came to like retrospectives or anything like that for this. Mm -hmm. And the thing, like you kind of expected with a movie like this, and that's where I, I kind of don't have anything to base this off of in the sense of just like what the masses feel about it is like you watch this, and, you, and as I was watching, it, I mean, you're kind of expecting that moment where like Gramps is lied to the two guys. Oh, the, the, yeah, the double yeah, cross or something like yeah, that. Yeah, not double cross, but kind of like, oh, I haven't been telling you the truth this entire time. Sure, sure. And that doesn't happen. Like, Gramps is introduced, and obviously we're introduced to him by <laughs> our two main characters go grave robbing. And Gramps comes out of the grave and has like a mask, a zombie mask on, <laughs> and he pulls it off. And it's like, oh, you're my grandson? I've been waiting 70 years for someone to dig me up. Yep. And you have that, and he's essentially a character with a heart of gold. 
He's not malevolent. All he wants is a good time. And that's yeah. it. And, not, and, and I kind of waited like a couple of times for it to even be raunchy, being like, okay, guys, like this, this, the dang nabbit television thing is fun and all, though, but where's the local whorehouse? Mm-hmm. Well, Grandpa, we don't have whorehouses anymore. No whorehouses. Like, I was getting <laughs> like a level of raunch. And kind of the raunchiest thing we get in this, and I kind of find it fascinating that it's like the main image on IMDb is the uh, the singer girlfriend of the secondary character. We see a shot of her like in an undershirt in her in her what underwear, and that's that's kind of the extent of the raunchy in this. And yeah, it's not even risque. It's like it's just a woman in her underwear. It's not like she's bending over. It's not a Ted Bundy movie where we're shooting her from a very provocative angle. It's just oh, it's the morning. She's in her underwear, and that's yep. and that's the furthest extent we get of raunch. And I'm like, wow! I'm like, oh god! Like you can still do campy, goofy horror stuff. It doesn't have to be over the head, like distasteful. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is a and great example of that. Absolutely. Yeah, like you can do like that's the thing that kind of delighted me the most about this. And as I rewatched it, I really did like appreciate it more the second time than the first time. And it's something that I've always kind of gone back to with certain movies. Um, more, oh god, the last time I genuinely felt this way, I when it came to a major motion picture, not something that kind of like like was years old or something I'd found um, like later was something like Tron legacy. I know Rob's never seen uh, Tron legacy, but it's the idea of this going on adventure with a bunch of characters. Yeah. And, exactly. I, and, I, and I don't mean that like in a Goonies sense where it's like Goonies never die or whatever. I've never seen the Goonies. So I don't know what the catchphrase is from that movie. Would, I don't yeah, mean, you got it. You got it right. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. It's Goonies never die or do the truffle shuffle. <laughs> Okay, good. But I mean it in the sense of I, I, I hate that like dynamic of like a bunch of little kids going into the woods. I hate that. Sure. I hate that is like a, a it's not a trope. Trope's not the right word, but just kind of like a jumping off point. I hate that. I hate kids going into the woods. But I love the idea of a bunch of friends with a familiar with a familiar as in family. Mm-hmm. connection i like that especially when you have kind of like the the you have the young kid who's it's kind of it's a weird like variation of the coming of age story or it's a very specific or more a uh genre specific we're in tron legacy it's very uh science fictiony where this is sure. more horror macabre with adventure sprinkled in for good measure and that's why i like i think it's that sentimentality of having the older generation pass the torch to the new generation yeah, with, okay. With, with that, because that's one thing too. This movie isn't really cynical either. No, not at all. And I think that's kind of the big thing too with this is that there isn't that like dripping cynicism, and that's saying a lot coming from a movie titled House Two: The Second Story. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I think that's the thing I really took away from this the most: the fact that it was like whole, a it was wholesome entertainment, and it had that like coming of age. Uh, sent like not schmaltz sentimentality. Sentimentality is better here because schmaltz is more like you're doing it on purpose to kind of trick the audience. And I don't yeah. think so. that that's different from sentimentality. No, and that's why I think this is. I think this was. I guess one of those movies, like Rob said, it's, you, I'm surprised that we don't see this on like ABC Family or whatever it's called now. This time of year, instead of like, like uh, Freeform, that's what it's called. We don't have ABC Family now. It's Freeform. Oh, they changed. Sure. D- Disney rebranded. I guess ABC Family was getting a little too uh, kitschy for the kids, despite <laughs> the fact that it's literally the exact same things they aired when it was ABC Family, and then when it was Fox Family, oh, and whatever okay. it was. Pro- it's literally the exact same stuff. It's just Hocus Pocus and uh, 
Uh, that's, I was literally about to ask, do they still play Hocus Pocus every other hour? That's all it is. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like, that's, and I guess ever since uh, TBS, like, kicked it off with, like, a Christmas story being, like, 24-7 on, like, Christmas Day. Sure. Like, on Halloween night, they keep advertising, like, oh, we're going to play Hocus Pocus for 24 hours straight on Halloween. On Halloween. And I'm like, for what reason? The people who didn't watch it the other 24 hours a day it was yeah, on exactly. the, the last 30 days? I'm like, yeah. who is this for? Um, I, I don't get it. But uh, no, like, this is one of those things. Like, I don't get why it's not on more. Like, I really, I don't get it. Because there really isn't anything raunchy in this. I don't think they say it. Do they say any swear words in this? I. That's a good question. I don't remember any specifically. So, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's really uh, all ages entertainment. And the kicker to this, which I think Rob's going to uh, like, is that uh, this movie was made by a New World Pictures, and that oh. may sound familiar based on our uh, last year, or what was it, November series, where we discussed uh, Doomed, the story of the fan- Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four, because New World Pictures was Roger Corman's company. Right on. That's right. Yes, and Rob's going to love this blurb that in 1994, Rupert Murdoch became a majority stakeholder and purchased the company outright in 1997. And although effectively defunct, it continues to exist as a holding company within the (laughs) Fox Corporation. Oh, okay. Everybody knows where this is going. Oh, yeah. The the content library, however, is now owned by the Walt Disney Company through its acquisition of 20th Century Fox. Yeah, and what they're planning to shoot all the reels of film they don't like into space, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. They're going to take to a volcano or something. Either either way out so you can't find it or way down so you can't find it. (laughs) Yep, folks. So this uh, this is another movie that you would never think of. That is now owned by the mouse. Yeah, yeah. Which wow. means, of which means, which means, folks, that I know. I think I don't know. I think it was a couple of years ago. Uh, the a uh, boutique Blu-ray publisher, uh, Arrow, put it out. A uh, really okay. nice, like, uh, like box. I don't want to call it a box sex. That's not really what it is. But yeah, they put it out. Yeah, uh, two th- uh, two years ago, December twenty seventeen. Oh. Arrow did a really nice like release of it on Blu-ray. Gave it a nice transfer. It looks really nice. Has a whole bunch of uh, special features and stuff. And uh, I hope you, you you buy that because once Disney gets its hands on it, it, it ain't coming out of the vault. Yeah, much unfortunately, much like, much like the hospital shining sequence, we ain't ever gonna see this if they have their way because unless it's uh, Iron Man or Tony Stark or Captain America, they don't care. Unless it's gonna make them a billion dollars, they ain't gonna put a nickel into it. Bummer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but uh, give, so give me the skull, Disney. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Well, that wouldn't that be great? Like doing an entire thing at Disney around, like an entire like attraction around House Two, the second story. Oh Disney. my God! People would love the stop. The one of the ugliest things I've ever seen <laughs> is that stupid goddamn pug caterpillar in this movie. But people would love that shit. Think, think of all the plushies they could sell. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like that could be the next Furby. No, Rob. It'd be the next uh, Groot. Oh, okay. There you go. Or the or the next Olaf. Come on, Rob. You gotta use your Disney terminology here. <laughs> Furby, I Furby's always gonna. St- I know that's not Disney, but Furby will always stick in my head. They they probably. Oh, I'm, like, I'm I'm gonna Google that's it a good, right now. Yeah, that's a good point. They probably uh, uh, 
acquisitioned that, you know, implicitly through buying five other holding companies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, what, Furby's Hasbro? Yep, and Disney now owns that, too. <laughs> and it's gone. Oh, man. <laughs> you like that movie? Oh, yeah, that independent studio? It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Disney now owns it, too. Eventually, Disney's going to buy Cinemodies and just put us out of business. Like, yeah. You know yep. Our, our restaurant's going to be a theme ride. Is it? Wasn't there something we were talking about? We oh no, what was it? What we were doing? I'm not sure if it made into the recording or not. But I know at one point Rob and I were talking. We want Disney to do what? Replace all of their uh, rainforest cafes with Cinemati's restaurants. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what we need. That then maybe we'll be a little bit more friendly to Disney. Uh, yeah, maybe on the surface. On the you surface. Know, that's how, when, when we get that deal, that's like when our covert operations start. We can take them down from the inside. Oh, sh- Rob. I didn't mean it, Disney. I didn't mean it, I swear. <laughs> Rob, you can't spill the beans this early. The deals are still, the deal's, the deal's still closing. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> but uh, no, so yeah, House 2, uh, I, I would imagine we have to give up, uh, I don't know how we're going to give a plot synopsis on this, but uh, I guess we have to try, right? Yeah, I, I guess. So, um, uh, Dude, oh man, there's a whole beginning. Uh, pa- parents give their baby away. We don't understand why, but they, they give the baby to some people and the people take it away. Then the guy comes into the house or appears in the house, wants the skull from the parents. Parents are like, get out of here. They shoot the parents and the parents are dead. Flash forward 25 years later, that same baby is now an older man and he goes, to that house to live in it, I think, with his maybe girlfriend or sister. I thought they were brother and sister at the start, but then it got clear to me that they were in some type of like intimate relationship. His friend shows up. We'll get into that. I have so much to say about his friend, Charlie. Um, and then they decide, as Zach said, to rob the grave of his great-great-grandfather because a crystal skull, no relation to the Indiana Jones one as far as I know, is buried with him. They dig it up to find the skull, but also find that the grandfather is still alive. And what, he says he's like 170 years old or something like that? Yeah. And then he reveals that the skull or the house or the combination of the two basically makes the house like unstuck in time. So it's linked to all these different places and all these different people. And evil people want the skull especially the evil cowboy that Gramps was a partner for a while, but also a professional wrestler and also the Aztecs and also a dinosaur, I think. (laughs) So, and of course they have to defend the skull and come to terms with uh, this guy understanding what his family is. I don't know. Did did I leave anything out? Well, other than like some specifics, no. Minutia, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely like we were saying, an adventure film where, you know, they get the skull, skull gets stolen, go get it back, skull gets stolen, go get it back, skull gets stolen, bad guy shows up, beat the bad guy type of thing. Yeah. Oh, good news. Actually, they're re-releasing the Blu-ray by the time everybody's hearing this uh, tomorrow. Oh, wow. It's actually actually getting re-released November 12th, 2019. So how about that? Wow, hot damn. How about that, folks? Anniversaries. <laughs> anniversary. Who, who'd have thunk, right? Um, uh, oh, God, before anniversary, pre Oh, I, I guess in my summary, I left out that Bill Maher shows up. <laughs> well, I, I know. I'm glad you held on to that because Bill Maher shows up and plays himself. Yeah. An asshole. And, yep, and I was actually surprised 
and somewhat refreshed to hear Bill Maher not talk about religion or Republicans for once. I know, right? So shocking. <laughs> he was still an asshole, and I, I didn't get... I mean, I, I get his motivation was, like, he, he wanted the girlfriend of our main character for himself, but there's just some times he's just being a straight-up asshole, and I'd be if he was doing it to me, I'd be like, dude, why the fuck do you care what's in this closet? Like, go away. This is my house. Yeah, he has a weird sort of, like, thing, because the moment, like, we have the... Okay. We have the character, our main character, whose name is Jesse. Yes. Do you and know he, how to pronounce that actor's na- real name? Because it's his last name is Gross, but his first yes. name is A R Y E. Do you? Is this Ari? Ari? Arya? Like Ar- I couldn't Ari's, find. Ar- Ari sounds the closest to me. Yeah, that sounds like a name I've heard before. But okay, I because of course, as soon as he came on screen, uh, screen, I knew him as Dr. Saul Picard from the season nine episode of SVU, where he plays a schizophrenic rapist. Of course you do, Rob. Of course oh, you I, do. Yeah, of course, of course I do. <laughs> Would you give that girl to make her to sleep? Alice swallowed one of the cakes, and she was delighted to find that she began shrinking directly. You give Sabrina Farmer one of those cakes before you raped her and left her in that car? I had a car. It, it got a tow. Guy who towed its name was Joe. You're under he arrest like for the rape and kidnapping of Sabrina Farmer. My attorney is Lucian Devereaux right of New Orleans. He's an expert on prowlings. Yeah, did you hear the president's speech last week? Man, that guy do anything to keep us fighting this Iraq war. Oh, <laughs> nefarious war. <laughs> he was also an Atlas Shrugged Part 2, Rob. I saw that. I don't even know they made a part two. I didn't even know they made a part three. I did. They did. Did I ever tell you I saw a part two in theaters? And it did, I saw part I, one in theaters. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Rob. Rob really liked part one. I really liked part one. And I saw part two in theaters. And I remember, like at the end, like like one guy applauding really loud. And I'm like, <laughs> like I get what you're getting it. I know what you're getting out, guy. But like it wasn't that good. Like at I, the same I know he, time when he was applauding, was he also screaming at everyone in the theater? It's actually pronounced Ayn Rand. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Based on how he was, uh, how he looked, didn't look like he's ever read anything. <laughs> okay. Okay. Nice. Uh, but no, because like you said, yes, there's a bunch that goes on in this movie. Because at one point, like we have, like he sees our main character Jesse kissing the other girl in the maid's outfit that we're never really properly introduced to. It's vaguely hinted at that he had like a relationship with her at some point. Yeah, and that I think that goes. I I forgot about that scene, but now that you mention it, what we were saying about the the raunchiness and the risqueness. All of that, like, sexuality or sexual tension that is there is very subtle because it's just like she kisses him and she's like, oh, you want to, you know, talk to me behind back or something? He's like, sure, but I got to go do other stuff. And then she just appears later, like, drunk in the closet. And he's like, we're going to take you home or we're going to send you home. Exactly. And it's very, you know, it's there. I think we could get that as, as, you know, older people. But like you were saying, a younger kid might just be like, oh, they kiss. They have something going on. But that's all they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And even earlier, when he's with his like uh, girlfriend proper, and like and they sleep in the same like room together, we don't have any like, oh god! Like every, anytime I think of like a sex scene in a horror movie, my mind automatically goes to uh, Friday the Thirteenth the remake, and it's just like <laughs> your tits are stupendous. Like that's always like you're always afraid it's gonna go down that avenue, and when it doesn't, you're like, good job, movie! You took the yeah. high road. It's it's noted and it's appreciated. Definitely. Yeah, but no, you have a bunch of like the Bill Maher thing is weird. Like this is, I, I would imagine this is when Bill Maher was just a comedian. Yeah, that's what I was. So, th- so this is before he blew up. Again, this movie came out in 1987. 
Uh, John Ratzenberger too. I, this is before I think he became a household name, or right, or right when maybe he was starting to become a household name. Mm-hmm. And he probably because it's a fun role. John Ratzenberger's role is probably one of the greatest uh, like bit cameo performances ever in a movie. Oh, it's almost, I, I, I it's almost, it. it's almost like Tom Cruise Tropic Thunder. It's not as over the top as that, but it's in the same vein as like a famous actor showing up in a like a really absurd role. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we'll have to get to that scene in particular. Because there's some great lines and great, you know, sight gags and stuff with him. Uh, it was good fun. Yeah. But no, like like Rob said, like some of this movie does become kind of frustrating because after a while, it's just like a uh, rinse, lather, repeat, mm-hmm. like quest movie where it's like, oh, they dig up the grave. They have the skull. Oh, then it's stolen the first time. Then it's stolen the second time. Then it's stolen the third time. And it's like, it, it, if you don't like, if you don't know what you're getting yourself into with this movie, and that's kind of how I felt the first time I watched it. I'm like, how, how many more times are we going to steal this stupid skull? Yeah. Like, I, I keep having flashbacks to what was it? Resident evil four, where the president's daughter just keeps getting like kidnapped every, like, like you rescue her, rescue her just for her to be kidnapped again. And I'm like, God damn it. Movie or video game. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, it's like <laughs> non flashback, non flashback. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, no, but like the second time watching it, though, I kind of appreciate it more and more because like, every time the, the skull gets stolen, it gets more outlandish. It keeps like raising the stakes. Like the first time yeah. it gets stolen and oh God, what's the first, what's the first time it gets stolen? I know the second uh, time is the pterodactyl. Yeah. The, the first the, time is the, um, what I call the, the professional wrestler. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. I forgot <laughs> the about big, it, it's because like they're at the party, the Halloween party is going on and we just like cut to the skull glowing and then somewhere else in the house, this this dude who's just jacked, like he's he's muscles on muscles, comes out with like face paint on. And I'm like, oh, he came from WWE World. And he steals the skull, but he came from Jurassic Park, as it turns out, which gets them to the pterodactyl. Yes. Yeah. And that's and, and it's funny. Uh, the guy in the, who gets knocked out by him in the gorilla costume, that's Kane Hodder. Oh, I Good saw that he Jason was the Voorhees. stunt. Yeah, I saw that he was the stunt coordinator. I didn't know he had a uh, an appearance right on. Yeah, because this movie also was uh, produced by Sean Cunningham, who, God, he's the uh, executive or the driving force behind behind most of the Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So uh, there you go, folks. It's all connected. And, uh, but no, but like I said, no, like it does, after a while, you get a little bit frustrated because they collect the skull, then you end up in pterodactyl world, and you're like, oh God, no. It's like, it's, it's, I always hate that kind of like that trope in movies where the bird steals something and you have to climb up its nest to get it. But then I fell in love with the pterodactyl, the little baby pterodactyl. (laughs) The pterodactyl with the skull in its mouth. And I love it because it's clearly a puppet and it's, it's being puppeteered from the ground. So you can't ever get like a full body shot of it. I love the baby. Maybe pterodactyl with the crystal skull in its mouth being chased around different hallways. And then a couple of times we get the baby pterodactyl at a dinner table. And I'm like, this is, this is gold. Like this is just pure cinematic gold. The idea of a baby pterodactyl puppet sitting at a dinner table with a zombie, 170 year old zombie, a uh, worm puppy and just and then we have again. I don't want to get too far into this. this. Is kind of like the end of the movie. But then we have handlebar mustache zombie cowboy come up from the table. Yes, yes. From it's the, great. From like the serving platter. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's 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 delightful. It's zany and it's nothing short of delightful. Oh yeah, and I I have to say I like that same scene at the dinner table because uh, yeah I I liked the um, baby pterodactyl as well. I thought that was you know fun, especially because you know they they handled it like. 
intelligent people would because the whole time they're chasing it around at the very start i was like feed it something feed it something feed it something and then they actually do that i'm like okay good i as i could not stand looking at the pug caterpillar worm whatever the hell it was but in that dinner table scene like the establishing shot before the bad cowboy rises from the serving platter we see the like uh, we see the um uh, the pterodactyl, but like more in the foreground facing away from the camera is the caterpillar dog. And it has a bib on. Yes, it does. Like he tied a bib onto it. That's, I, that made me laugh. <laughs> well, then well, even if they're sitting at the table and like Jesse's like, what, uh, saying grace. And I love how they're all kind of sitting there. And he's like, and, and the pterodactyl's just sitting, he's rubbing its chin. He's stroking its neck. Yes. And it's like, oh, God. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's those small sort of touches. Like, yes, he could be standing there and the pterodactyl could be sitting in its little chair going, bah, 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 whatever noise it makes. <laughs> Where the hell's the food? And tell them we're starving. But it's the idea, like the the physical interaction with it. Oh yeah, yeah, I dig it. And how lovable this? Because it's by that point in the movie, we're like, God, we're like seventy minutes into the movie, and after all we've experienced, but again, we have the baby pterodactyl, the sidekick friend. The woman they save earlier who's cre- on. Who's credited as Virgin. <laughs> yeah. I know. I like that too. I think that's the goal for any actress in Hollywood. Be uh, credited in the credits of a film as Virgin. Um, yeah. And then and then get slowly spoken to by uh, John uh, by Ratzenberger. Where he's by like, everybody. It was nice to meet you. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite. Like, I don't want to say I keep saying the word trope. But that's not the correct word to use. But for lack of a better one, I love that in movies where anytime you have a character that doesn't speak English. So the thing they always do is just speak slowly and enunciate every <laughs> every syllable. I yeah. love that. It's kind of up there with like, what's the trope? Um Oh God! Uh, where is your God now? When two yeah. characters are in a fight, where is your God now? I love that. And oh God, what's the other one too that Rob brought? Oh God, this was years ago. You brought this up. Um, I will consume this, and I will gain your power. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That was from District Nine. Is that what it was? When Ed, yeah, when because when Charlotte Copley's the alien or whatever, and he runs into the um, the militant like gangs or whatever. There's that one dude, he was like, I am going to cut off your arm and eat it to gain your power. I told you that the day will come. You'll be running around with my prize. All I want is to eat that arm and become like you. No, no, no. It won't work. Once I have that power, no one will stop me. It was your turn. <laughs> no, it's mine. And I was like, I, t- I was like, why, why, why would they? That's funny, but why would they think it works that way? <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it. It's, it'll show up every once in a while, like in a, uh, like in a horror movie or something science fiction related. But like, if I eat this, I will gain its power. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's just, I love that though. But the idea of just enunciating every syllable to a character that's not understanding anything you're saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's delightful. <laughs> Nowadays, that'd be considered insensitive, but back in the day, it used to be called comedy. Yep, true. Kind of like when Rob and I have to explain to people what VHS tapes are, and a couple of years, we have to explain what comedy was. That's that thing when you make a joke at someone's expense. You know that Ted Bundy movie from 2002? That's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be able to say that in a couple of years. Yeah. That, that, Rob and I have to delete that episode from the internet. One of us is going to run for public office, and it's going to be like, oh, how long until they find that? And then like, like six months later, crap, Rob, they found it. 
<laughs> they found the Ted Bundy episode. I thought we deleted that. Rob's like, I did. I bleached the entire server of like Podbean. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say, well, fuck it. We got to double down now. Let's re- let's release that R. Kelly documentary. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like everything about this movie is kind of like insanely goofy. And there's and even like I know it's the the anti buzzword or buzz phrase is uh, subverting of expectations mm-hmm. because even we have the moment with the uh, his best friend who like early in the film, he's kind of introduced to be, he's kind of like introduced to us as a jerk, but then over the course of the film, he beca- he's, he's a genuinely good guy. Who's looking out for his friend's well-being. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of has that turn and uh, I, I dug it. He was probably my favorite character in the movie. The friend Charlie, I think was his name in the film mm-hmm. be- because, okay, I guess, I guess this is, I know this this blew me away because I think when when we finally get the skulls stolen the first time by the professional wrestler and they see that there's a jungle in one of the rooms, that's when I started to understand more of what I was what this movie was really about because uh, this is the scene where they're going to go into the jungle to get the skull back and the friend just shows up with an Uzi and he's like, he's like, it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. Uzi. And he's like, that's a, it's just, that's a, like a submachine gun. And he's like, why do you have that? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. But so, so hear me <laughs> out. We are, we are introduced to this character, the friend, very early on because he shows up to the house like drunk. Like he drives his yep. car into that post. Him and his girlfriend yep. are drunk as hell. And in like the next scene, it's revealed that he's there for, I think, it's revealed that the purpose for him being there is to get his girlfriend a recording contract with the main character's girlfriend because she works for some recording label or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then he shows up with an Uzi later. <laughs> so this movie is literally telling me that this dude fucking drove a car drunk to his friend's <laughs> house to get his girlfriend a recording contract with guns in the car and swords, maybe. Like that, I was I was so confused by this. He showed up in the middle of the night drunk with an Uzi trying to get his girlfriend a record deal. And I was like, okay, I think I'm overthinking this movie now. Because as it went on, it was just like, oh, shit's just going to happen when it needs to happen. Like when they get swords out of nowhere and they have, they have to go fight the, the Aztecs. And I just thought that was so crazy. I was like, what was this dude's plan? Why would he actually have an Uzi? <laughs> well, Rob, he is an entrepreneur. Yes, he is an entrepreneur. And then the other, his interaction with Bill Maher, because Bill Maher shows up and, and Jesse's like, oh, what are you doing here, Bill Maher? And he's like, oh, your girlfriend called me and said you got like the next Madonna of the 80s down here. I had to come check her out. He says that yep. he implicitly states that he's looking for some recording artist. And then the friend gets like snippy and he's like a dickhead to Bill Maher. Jesse, you old golf bag. How are you? Uh, John, what are you doing here? Oh, uh, well, your beautiful lady informed me that she's found the Madonna of the 80s. I thought I'd better come by and check it out. Hey, I thought Madonna was the Madonna of the 80s, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Who's your friend, Bozo the Clown? No, Bozo the Death Machine. Uh, Charlie, Charlie, this is John Statman, Kate's boss. He's the president of Heretic Records. Okay. Okay. Okay, John Statman. Of course. <laughs> this is really a pleasure. I'm really happy to meet you. Charlie Coriel, manager of Puce Glitz and the Avoid. Kate! And I'm like, there's four people in the house. Who else could Bill Maher be talking about? Because then once Jesse's like, oh, he's the head of this recording label, 
the friend's tone completely changes. And I was like, how did you not figure this out based on how he introduced himself? And so I was just along for the ride at that point. <laughs> well, I even like, like Bill Maher, like, like his introduction to the movie is like, oh, I'm here. To, I, I, I've heard you have the Madonna of the 80s. And the friend turns around. And he's like, isn't Madonna the Madonna of the 80s? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's funny. When I heard that line, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Madonna of the 80s. This movie came out in 87. Like there yep, really yeah. wasn't. There wasn't anything like like, like like a Madonna afterwards. Like it's like this is when this is like God before Madonna even peaked. And yeah. I'm like I'm like what? And I love how the movie just blatantly brings that up, being like, oh okay. Oh yeah, and also in that scene, I think it's like the next line or so. Jesse like says something to Bill Maher, and Bill Maher says, "Who's your friend, Bozo the Clown?" And it cuts to the friend, and he goes, "No, Bozo the Death Machine." And I'm like. <laughs> whoa i'm using that next time somebody calls me bozo the clown <laughs> i don't think that's ever happened in my life but that's a great retort and it makes some sense because he has automatic weapons in his car <laughs> yep. oh yeah it's oh god that's the thing too is that like you do have that subversion that like you expect a friend to be kind of like a jerk and then he doesn't and it's like oh that's refreshing like you expect yeah. a friend like, like we kind of said about gramps earlier you expect that character the friend to like betray him and it never happens. He's there literally to the very end of the film. Yeah, and at one yeah. point, even when him and the uh, the the virgin are tied up, he's like, "Get out of here, Jesse! He's gonna kill you! He's gonna kill mm -hmm. kill you! Then he's gonna kill us!" And it's like, "Oh wow!" I'm like that's neat. Yeah. That's really rare for the friend to be like, like especially <laughs> that character that's introduced to us in a very kind of like douchebaggery way. Definitely, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was really cool to see, and I even loved. You know, we get all of those kind of steps towards that. Cause I think it's when the, the skull gets stolen the second time they get it back from the pterodactyl and then it gets stolen by the Aztecs. And like Jesse finds this out and he goes to wake up the friend and the friend is like, this better be important. And he's like, the skull's gone. Like Gramps lost the skull. And the friend goes, we just got it back for him. What do you mean you lost it? But then he jumps up and he's ready for action. Like he's, he's like a little annoyed at the situation, but he's still going to help with the endeavor at hand. And it's yep. great. We get that kind of whole transition, that whole arc. Yeah. that's You don't get that usually. Usually the friend's just kind of like a jerk. Just kind of like, you have like the mindless like jerk of a friend. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was great to see. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. It's, called a, it's called a character arc, folks. It's, it's this beautiful thing that happens when the writers put effort into their screenplay. <laughs> what, a, what a world the 80s were. <laughs> I know. Back when we used to actually care about movies. We didn't just sit there unless they had the words uh, Marvel or Star Wars in the title. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't just throw them out into the garbage. Oh, what a time. But even the running gag of uh, every time somebody drives to this house, they crash into the same like post. It, it's like a post or some, some like lawn decoration. I don't yeah. know. The only thing, even the first time it happened, I was like, that's the, the shot from home alone. You know, it's a different angle, but every time the car drives up, they hit that like uh, horse boy statue in home alone or something like that. That's what it made me think of. So you're saying, Rob, is Christopher Columbus ripped off uh, House 2, the second story? 100%. 100%? Okay. 100%. I would, say, I would say Home Alone 2 was slated to be House 5, and they couldn't make it work. Oh, <laughs> uh, there we go. There we yeah, go, Joe, folks. Joe Pesci and uh, uh, Stern were trying to get the, uh, the skull in the original <gasps> script. There you go. We figured it out. <laughs> and guess what? There are they both... the Wet Bandits in that? The Wet? Yeah, I... the Sticky Bandits is the second one. The Wet Bandits okay. is the first one, I think. And you know what, folks? 
both properties are now owned by the Walt Disney Company, <laughs> so we can do this. Oh man, isn't is Hollywood grand, folks? <laughs> isn't isn't consolidation of ownership grand? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, no, because I I I, uh, I, I kind of like go through the plot of this like beat by beat, kind of defeats the whole purpose of the movie. Yeah, because I think you know we we nailed it on the head with. Find the skull, lose the skull, find the skull, lose the skull, beat the bad guy, save the day type of thing. Yeah, and I think by breaking it down, like, beat by beat kind of robs the film of its charm and essence. Yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, definitely give it a watch type of thing. Yeah, because even, like, what, two-thirds of the way through, Bill Maher takes the two guys' girlfriends and drives away, and that's it. Yep, like that, they don't come back. Yeah, They drive out of the movie, and they kind of, like, at the end of the movie, they're not even concerned about them. It's like, oh, well. Not even, oh, well. It's like, not even a second thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Streamlined. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I guess, I, I don't really have much else to say about this, but I guess the final thing is uh, John Ratzenberger's role in the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, definitely. Um, the electrician slash part-time adventurer or whatever his business card says <laughs> oh it's delightful oh it's delightful <laughs> so i i did not expect I, I thought it was interesting when he shows up because it's kind of like jesse's like what, what are you doing here and he's like oh you know this lady called me said you need an electrician because they established in like the first scene or when when they first get to the house that like part of the electricity or some of the electricity isn't working type of thing so it makes sense that she calls this um this electrician and he shows up i dug that and then he just kind of goes on like a tear through the house where he's just like constantly saying stuff and and asking, you know, he's like, I like to do my work alone. You got something to do? Go do it. But probably my favorite bit is when he <laughs> he's just like looking around the house and he's like, oh, yeah, a lot of these old houses, blah, 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 blah. And he's talking about electrician stuff. And Jesse's kind of like, I'm dealing with crystal skull shit. Leave me alone. And we, we, he like picks up Ratzenberger, like lifts a lampshade off of a lamp hits the light bulb with the handle end of a screwdriver and breaks the light bulb and goes, eh, must be foreign made. You see, these old houses, they, uh, they just got minds of their own, you know, and you, you just gotta teach them who's boss. You know, sort of give them a spanking. Eh, must be foreign made. That was so damn funny <laughs> to me. I was laughing my, my ass off at that line. I, I like that's another line I could totally use. Like I, you know, I hit something like very clearly hit something and break it. Be like, eh, must be foreign made. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. good. <laughs> it's it's what cameos used to be in movies. Is it like you had to be like, like you take an actor that had some notoriety beyond what you're doing, or at least you notoriety well beyond what is it you're working on and you put them into something in a very brief burst yeah then you pull them out like that's what cameos used to be you had to they had to be really strategically placed and utilized or else they just kind of go and the best example is this i'm not sure if rob knows this and i guess this is a spoiler for uh hobbs and shaw which is what rob (laughs) would you call that nine fast nine furious nine fast nine furious no no, no, i'm sorry i'm so no i'm sorry Two oh, Hobbs, Hobbs, two, Hobbs two, Fast, Hobbs, Fear, or Hobbs no, Fast, two, Shaw, oh, Furious, or something. I thought, I thought it was Two Hobbs, Two Shaw. Or two whatever. Hobbs, Two Shaw. That's probably. I feel like every week I have a new. Before new we actually start recording, I have another. I have another thing to call that movie. All right, spoiler alert for those who still want to see that: is that there's cameos by Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Hart in that movie. 
Oh, of course, Kevin Hart has a cameo in a rock yeah. movie. And it's like, it's just there to the fact of like, oh, Kevin Hart knows The Rock. And the director of Hobbs and Shaw, I think David Leach, is uh, directed Deadpool 2. Uh, okay. So it's like, oh, they're just there because they did, they, they did the, uh, the cast and crew a favor. Mm, gotcha. The, the cameo wasn't written during the script writing stage. And like, oh, we had this really fun character. And wouldn't it be really neat? How could we elevate this sequence even beyond what it is by having this actor who no one expected to be in this movie to be there? It's like, no, it's just, it's Ryan Reynolds there just doing Ryan Reynolds' shtick and the same with Kevin Hart. Okay. Yet you see John Ratzenberger come in and be this kind of like, Oh God, this character that you would never think understands the world that all these characters and us, the audience, are now just now getting kind of firm footing on is somehow firmly entrenched with this world out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and, he, and even kind of John Ratzenberger's concluding scene is as he's like, as they're, they've, they've saved the Virgin character and our two main guys are like, but John Ratzenberger, how are you going to escape? It's all right. I'll fend them off. And as they're like making their way through the little corridors back into the house, we cut to back to the house and John Ratzenberger is there cleaning his sword off. He's like, what took you so long? I was getting worried. I think I, like my jaw definitely dropped. I did not expect that, but it, it makes sense looking back on it. But when, cause it, we see them leaving the hole in the wall and the camera like pans over and, and he's there and he says, you know, what took you so long? I was getting worried. And I was like, oh my God, they did it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, that's another like a trope. That's been so abused nowadays by people where it's like you'll have two characters do something or they'll leave the third character behind. And as the next as those two characters walk into the next room, the, the other third character will be there out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing about those that like that'll happen in so many things like I would imagine that probably happened in something. And I'm just making this up right now. But something like Will and Grace where Will and Grace will be talking and be like, OK, Karen, we'll see you later. OK, guys, I'll see you there. Then they'll like walk to the place and Karen will be like, Karen, how'd you get here so quick? Oh, you know me just zipping around town. And it's like that that doesn't work in Will and Grace because Will and Grace isn't fantastic or surreal in any sense. Yeah. It's a definition of a grounded show, like when it comes to those sort of things. Um, it's a goofy show, but it's not surreal in any sense. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're gonna plug that sort of element in, you have to make it work because the John Ratzenberger character is a very grounded character in the sense of this movie. So yep. when you do have him doing something that fantastical out of nowhere, you've set it up. And you've paid it off brilliantly. Oh, it was it's, yeah, it was so well done. Yeah, it's the perfect like, goodbye to that ca that cameo because it's just a brief burst. And it's it's kind of like it's a, in retrospect, it's exactly what you'd expect, but at the time you had no idea it was coming. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah, like you know this movie. It's it's like even like the uh, the Blu-ray dot com review of this for the Blu-ray. They talk about the movie and they're like, this is a very uneven movie. And I'm like, no, it's a very goofy movie. It plays out its zaniness to the umpteenth degree perfectly. And I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't get yeah. watching this movie and not liking it. It's so charming. And yes, it's goofy. Like, it, it's not a movie for everybody. Like, if you have no sense of humor and no sense of whimsy in your cinema or in your taste of cinema, I get not caring for it but i don't get disliking this yeah and i think you know that's kind of when i was in the process of watching this movie just because it was it was not what i was expecting and i guess because i really didn't know what to expect maybe in the middle of it or the first third 
and the zaniness and goofiness started to happen, maybe I thought it was uneven. But once I've seen the whole thing, looking back, this is the furthest thing from uneven. It it owns its goofiness the whole way through. I just wasn't prepared for it, which made me not look for it, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, that, exactly. It's like it knows what it's trying to do, and it's doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to the thing that Rob and I have said numerous times now, is that just because it's something you're not expecting, it doesn't mean it's bad. Indeed. Yeah. And there is a difference between like disliking something and being apathetic toward it. Like if you like like I was going in all honesty, like I said, I was expecting a schlocky horror film, like kind of like I don't think it was on the short list for uh Monster where we didn't get to it, called Spookies, where mm. it's like it's a house with a bunch of like macabre things going on. It's it's goofy. It's it's a goofy movie, but it's very uh, unintentionally goofy. Okay. And that's kind of what I was expecting. A movie called Spookies with a like a bunch of people stuck in a house and a bunch of weird stuff going on. Sure. And I didn't get that, but I got something even better. I got a quasi coming of age story about family in a 170 year old zombie with a fantastic cameo by john rapsenberger yeah yeah i I didn't get what i expected but i got something all the better definitely absolutely it's again it's subverting of expectations folks it's a brilliant thing if it's pulled off by the right people oh yeah i'm even thinking uh, i'm just like thinking through the whole cameo of rapsenberger and especially when uh you know, we get that scene where he's pulling the wiring through the wall and it starts ripping up the whole wall. But then he goes, it cuts away, and then it's him going up to um, Jesse and Charlie, and he's like, "I think you guys better come see this." And he's just, you know, taking the, almost the whole wall down. And he gets, <laughs> he gets in front of it, and he like bends over a little bit, like, like you know, bends his knees, puts his his arms on his knees, like you're bending down and look at something. He's like, "Yep." Looks like you got a one of those portals to an altered dimension in here. <laughs> and he says it so matter of factly, and I'm like. <laughs> Yep. There it is. Looks like you got some kind of alternate universe in there or something. I'm like, oh god, I love it. <laughs> I love everything yep. about it. <laughs> yep, it's great. Oh yeah, it's uh. Yeah, doesn't it's, he it's, say it's, something where he's like, you got one of these portals in here that uh, shows up in a lot of these old houses, and just like yep. you said, he's completely immersed in this, and you never would have expected it. Yeah, because how he's 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 introduced at first is kind of like the clumsy, I don't want to say repairman because he's an electrician, but that's how we're, he's, we're introduced to him with the very specific character type. Mm-hmm, definitely, and then and then it slowly out of nowhere he blends into the rest of the film. Absolutely, yeah, he's just one of the gang. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's perfect. Um, yeah, and that's kind of it. Like again, I I hope we didn't kind of ruin that for anybody because it's great. Like, we're, I think even though we described it pretty well, you definitely lose a lot of the nuance of the performance and describe. Oh yeah, and especially for anybody who knows Ratzenberger and his voice, that adds a lot to his performance and how he's able to deliver it so matter of factly and so you know expert like. And it is so not jarring but unexpected because you know it's kind of like that everything he does to that character is awesome. Yeah, I have a question for you, Rob. Uh, Nowadays, do people know John Ratzenberger as Cliff Clavin, or do they just know him as the Pixar guy? I would say Pixar guy. I would say Ham. I, I would imagine I, I more even people. Say, I, I wouldn't even say Ham because oh, it's okay. just. I, I mean, not specifically Ham. I just mean the fact that like he shows up in everything. True. True. Like he's what the uh, he's the 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 oh god the manta ray. Something like that. Yeah. I was looking at his his perform his like list earlier, and it's just like, oh god, he's done everything. 
Yeah. No, he's not the Manta Ray. But just the idea that, like, I, oh, God, he's the Underminer in Incredibles. Oh, he's the abominable. He's the abominable snowman in the Monsters, Inc. series. Uh, oh, God, what else is he? He's, uh, oh, God, he's uh, one of the trucks in Incredibles. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of just why I figure that he's now just he's the Pixar guy because I God, okay it's kind of hard to think about this though but like Cheers does like, you don't hear people like like oh God we've all seen those stories on the internet being like oh like so and so bought the rights to Seinfeld for like three hundred trillion dollars like for Netflix but now Warner Brothers has the right to Friends in the Office for six hundred trillion dollars <laughs> you, you don't hear any bidding wars over the series rights to Cheers true true. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of like the the disappointing part. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I would say if anybody, if anybody, I'm thinking, you know, you would have to list his stuff. Like, I don't people people these days, I don't think know that his name. You'd have to like list. He was Ham. He was this. He was that. And they'd be like, oh, that dude. I know that voice type of thing. You want to know my the main way how I know uh, John Ratzenberger? I I don't think I know it. So he had me. he had a TV show in the mid two thousands that used to air on the Travel Channel called John Ratzenberger's Made in America. <laughs> what was it? Was it like a like a was it like a How It's Made ripoff or what was the 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 gimmick? Uh, I I think it was How It's Made, but like what it would do, but it was just things made in America. So he'd like go around sure. to like different like factories and stuff, and be like, oh, like this is the U.S. Mint. This is where they make coins. Like oh, like this is where they have a Brooks Brothers. Oh, this is oh, a Barbasol. Yeah. Things like that were like, oh, like John Deere. Probably most oh, of these things. Yeah, I'm looking most at these things probably, interesting. Most of these things probably aren't made in America anymore. That's how I always knew because I used to watch the Travel Channel a lot when hmm. I was younger. But I think I've talked about like when they used to air a lot of the uh, theme park stuff, and they always had like tons of advertisements for like John Ratzenberger's Made in America. I remember one that they showed them like making like flannel shirts or something. That was always the one. That that, okay. that that stuck with me, but yeah, that's how I always. Uh, that's how I knew him. Right on. Interesting. I, 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 oh, I it does. A, there's an episode where they do. He does uh, all clad cookware. I know people that work for all clad cookware. Right on. Oh, ask him if they know John, John Ratzenberger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know you started working at all clad back in like 2016, but do you remember John Ratzenberger from 2007? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I'll have yeah. to find that episode. That's cool. Cool beans, but yeah. The only so, thing I cook on these days, because I get it for free from my friends. When I get a discount, because my friends don't like me that much, as Zach can attest. <laughs> see, folks, that's all he does from his friends. He gets uh, cookware and he gets free haircuts from them. That's it. If you're not, if you're not giving Rob one or the other, he don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the weight of my heart. <laughs> yes. Another line I really, really enjoyed. Um, that won't relate to our snacks. We'll have a few other lines, but at, in the scene where it's the morning after they get to the the house and the the friends already shown up, where the the friend and the and the girlfriend are playing music really loud to get the attention of the other girlfriend who is the record label worker or producer or something like that, and she's like, "Is that music? What is that?" And she goes into the room and she's like, "What are you listening to?" And she's like, "Oh, it's me. It's something in the performers. I don't remember the band name, but." She's like, oh, you're 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 a recording artist. Do you have a uh, do you have a label? Have you signed a contract with anyone yet? And the the friend and his girlfriend respond. They're like, no, no, no. We don't want to be successful. We want to make a lot of money and be famous, but never have success. Okay, I feel compelled to tell you we are weighing several offers from some big producers, but to drop names would be tacky. 
But you don't have a contract yet. I mean, you haven't signed anything yet, have you? Oh, no. We don't believe in success. Yeah, we, we want to make a lot of money and be real famous, but, but no success. No, there's a very subtle difference, you know. And I was like, that's, that's clever. I don't think they understand how clever that line is or how prescient that line would become, you know? Because you hear about all these people who get a bunch of money and become famous, and then they're never really successful. You just hear about them, you know, laying in gutters drunk and stuff like that. So I, I love that line about the recording industry. We want to make a lot of money, but never be successful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. I remember that. That was, that. that was a cute line. So the other thing is a question I have. In the ending showdown, like after the bad cowboy shows up when he comes out of the, the portal in, this, in, the, um, in the dinner table. Yeah, I guess you say there's a portal in a room, there's a portal in a fireplace, there's a portal behind a wall, and then there's a portal in a serving platter on the dinner table. <laughs> so portals just come out of anywhere in this movie. But as they're having that last showdown, the cops show up. Why do the cops show up? Because somebody somewhere heard gunfire? Yeah, like, yeah. Up. I thought that was so unnecessary because they're like, yeah, come out of the house, Jesse. We got you surrounded. And I'm like, I'm like, why are the... It's like the end of Clue. And it's like, why are the cops going to show up? Nobody called them. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I, I didn't get that. Did I miss something? That's what I'm asking. I, you. Is, was I, there more reasoning for that? I wonder, because there's, there's a couple sequences like this in this film where something feels disjointed. And the fact this film only runs like 87 minutes, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Roger Corbin was like, cut a bu- two hours, cut it out. We got to make it snappy. And that's when I okay. think probably a bunch of stuff got cut out. I think okay. there's a lot. I think there's probably more to this film that just got cut out because it, it feels almost it's so breath. Oh, oh, God. Breakneck pacing. And mm-hmm. I think that's because probably a lot of stuff was edited out. And I think the cops, and I think you can't edit the cops out because they play reasons to why Jesse has to sit there, like leave the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's okay. why you you can't edit the cops out without like really just the movie just jumps like from one plot point to the other. Okay. Oh, that 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 would make some sense if there was something in because there's the. When they leave Jurassic Park, they fall through the roof and cause that big, like, accident. And that's when Bill Maher and the girls are like, what's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you cheating on me, Jesse? And he's like, no, no, it's just my 170-year-old grandpa, I swear. And maybe there's something in there where, you know, that that big crash caused some reason for someone to call the cops? Or, I don't know, I thought I missed, like, a line or something, but it was just so weird to me when they popped out of nowhere. Plus the Halloween party just ends, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think everybody leaves after what the the professional wrestler shows up and like beats up the grandpa, and I think everybody like disperses after that or something. Yeah, it kind of just ends all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I did I did like that where you know they're talking to the grandpa and then they hear music and they're like, "What the hell is going on?" And they go upstairs and the friends like, "Oh yeah, I invited people over and forgot about it." <laughs> yeah, he's like, still what? kind of by that point he's still a jerk a little. Oh bit. yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I've been there, man. <laughs> yeah, because that was the only thing he's done earlier in the movie was be lazy when they were digging up the grandpa and then drink and drive with the grandpa. So, yeah, he was he wasn't, you know, at his full on uh, uh, turning point yet. No, but I do like the fact that even at the end, like we had the first the first running gag is we have uh, the fr- Charlie bumps into the, the post outside the house. 
Then it's Gramps who does it. And then we have the cops who do it. And I love, and the best part of it too is it's not just simply they run into all three of them run into the same post. It's the exact same camera angle. Oh yes, every yeah. single time. It's it's not like it's shot from a different spot. It's the exact same camera angle, but with a different person behind the wheel of a car. Oh yeah, yeah. I I dug it for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, but even like I, we get toward the ending of this because there's even a great sequence where we have. Um, uh, evil cowboy zombie man And he has a like Horse that's like oh, Undead yeah. and it's the stop motion Like horse as it kind of like rides up And it's great I'm like wow That's neat because that that's something like that Takes a lot of time and effort and finesse And uh, the person who worked on that When I was looking at the credits was uh, Phil Tippett Who did the oh. uh, who worked on the original Star Wars and did the uh, the chess table Right on yeah I know The name Tippett for sure yeah, so that's another thing too. You don't even like you think about like Roger Corman movies. You think, oh, it's like a, like a sleazy, rushed production, and uh, it's it is those things. But you do have finesse there. There are there are hard hardworking people that want to make the film look good. And again, another example of uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, folks. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. This, yeah, and this this I would definitely give a recommendation. And I don't have anything else to say about this film other than our questions. And is that where we want to go next? Our cinemodity in late night. I do, Rob. I do. All right. Well, um, I'm. I. I don't think there's. I don't think it's going to be any surprise. I'm giving a, a yes to both. I think this is a cinemodity because it 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 extends beyond well one what I expected, and one what I think of as you know like a, a goofy comedy horror type of movie or maybe goofy comedy adventure almost. I would classify this as the just the setting of Halloween gives it that little sense of horror. But I definitely think this cinemodity for that reason. And this is exactly something I'd want to show people late at night. Be like, yeah, this House 2, the second story, you got a great name right off the bat. They're going to say, I never saw House 1. And you'd be like, you don't need to, apparently, from what I read. And then you just kind of get all these beats that are going to, you know, I don't want to say it's like it's like you're sitting down and making fun of a bad movie with your friends, but in a more lighthearted way. Like, we're laughing with this movie most of the time, not at it. And that's something I don't think we usually get with late night stuff, especially in this genre. So it's a it's a hard yes for me on both. Yeah, I agree. That's nice. Uh, interesting way you put it. It's one of the very few times the cinema audience were laughing with something and not at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like usually, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is so stupid or this is so gonzo or this is so goofy. And we're just making fun of it. Like, how could they do this? Who thought this would be a good idea? And everything with this movie, I feel like just removes, we're saying a lot of the same questions, but we're removing the sarcastic tone. It's not like we're saying this in a negative way. We're saying it's like, wow, they thought to do this and it works. It's great. So yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I agree. It's Cinemati and the late night movie. Um, I kind of wondered as I was watching it being like, what would, would this movie have fared better if they gave it a different name? Mmm. Interesting. What, I don't know. I don't know. What else would, I would you call it? Like the, I, I don't know. I don't search, know again. <laughs> yeah, the search for the crystal skull. Uh, King of the crystal skull. <laughs> House of the crystal skull. Ooh, House of the crystal skull is actually good because it has the same meter as House yeah. of the Rising Sun. So right on, right on. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think this kind of like how we talked about uh, Halloween 3 season of the witch. It's like I think the title was the ultimate detriment of this film. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. D- did you uh, do any research into the first house movie? I know uh, the little I did, it's kind of, 
irrelevant that these two movies are completely disconnected, oh, yeah. almost like an yeah. anthology or something. But did did you did you see if the first one got like critical acclaim or something? Because like uh, we said, I, we hadn't heard of that one either. I think the first house has has obviously more of a following. Okay, um, and it's also much straightforward. It's a horror film. It's an out and out horror film. And there's not there's as nothing. Much- Lightheartedness and goofiness. No, I don't, okay. I don't think there's any lighthearted or goofiness in it. It's a horror film, like with a capital H. Gotcha, gotcha. But I do want for for fan member fansgiving. I do want to uh, give a unique uh, a rating system just for this. What do we call it? A, a micro month because it's only three three episodes in this series. Yeah, yeah. Mu- much like how I did with the Aristocats. And how it caused me to pause the movie <laughs> and put Death Wish on. I'd like to give a like a binary ranking of whether a specific fan member, fansgiving choice caused me to pause the film and put Death Wish on. Okay. Where Aristocats obviously got a yes. House 2, the second story, did not get that. So that's one of the highest recommendations you can get from me when it comes to a fan's choice, folks. Right I did on. not have to put on Death Wish. Yeah, neither did I. See, folks, that I didn't. That's, that's I didn't have whammy. to do it for Aristocats either. But <laughs> go back and listen to that episode. Um, I guess if you take that episode and combine it with the three that we're going to have this November, that forms a full fansgiving. So mm-hmm. it, we, we're a little out of sure. order, but we got them. We got them. That's right. That was also part of music movies, wasn't it? Yes, that kicked off music movies. I think. Yep. Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley. Mally, the alley cat. You remember all those stop. lyrics, Zach? <laughs> Make it stop. Make it stop. Well, I keep hearing about the Rob explaining how they make pate. Oh, that's right. <laughs> stop. Non-flashback. Non-flashback. No, you got my plate. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess uh, then we can kick it into gear with snacks. This is what I'm super excited for. Um, do we want to start with the fans giving snacks? Uh, sure. Just in case we don't, I don't want Rob to step on uh, VBS's toes. Yeah, yeah. They this was a fan's choice, fan snacks. Now, I guess full disclaimer: we will, of course, take these snack recommendations and we will put them through our tried and true uh, quality control process. I would say to see if they're going to be in the restaurant. So just because you've suggested them doesn't mean they're going to be on the menu. Okay, that's something only Zach and I get. We're open to to having something. If it's a really good one, we'll take it. And I'm really interested to hear what gets suggested because I had some trouble with snacks for this movie. So I'm I'm ready. Throw them at us. Remember, folks, we only have the highest of standards at the Cinematis restaurant. Yes. <laughs> See, folks, Rob Rob couldn't even stifle the laughter through that remark. Um, all right, VBS said I'd like to throw in my snack idea. I propose an extension to the restaurant. We knocked oh. down one of the walls. Oh, that's a ballsy move right there. <laughs> I, we knocked down one of the walls and fill in the space with a portal to an alternate universe where you can get to sample the food from that universe. So he, I think he was kind of getting... When did he send us the snack requests? October 21st, he sent this to us. Oh, okay, so it wasn't too long ago. But, I mean, I think we're, we've already discussed some ideas of you know alternate dimensions existing in the restaurant, right? <laughs> I don't know, but I think this is the first time where it's being explicitly like, okay, we're knocking down a wall, much like John Ratzenberger's character, oh. and we're and we're opening it that way. Oh, I like that. And then maybe when the the people go in, they have to you know do the whole string tied to their uh, belt loop and stuff like well, that to find their way out. Well, no, VBS didn't say whether you go in. He seems like we're just we're sampling the cuisine from that dimension. Ooh. No mention of whether the patrons actually go in or not. 
Oh, that's interesting. Because mm, then it either becomes that we send the patrons in, or we have a team of our employees that go in to get food from that dimension and bring it back. Yes, I think that's more what he's getting at. Uh, so it's like a it's like an annihilation expedition. Okay, I I I dig that. I'm a little I'm a little concerned with the vagueness. Like, does he think like it's we're just going to get what we get. Like we're going to break down a wall and there'll be a portal to a different dimension. And, you know, maybe it's Jurassic park. Maybe it's Aztec ritual. Like, you know, doesn't, it, there's some loss of control there, right? We don't know where it's our a, portals are going to end up. It's a universe where every cinema, restaurant has been converted into Avengers Endgame experiments. <laughs> every other universe's cuisine is, um, Hawaiian rolls and almond butter. Yes. That's all it is. <laughs> Rob's like, well, we got we got to plaster this back up. We can't have any of that. <laughs> okay, okay, I like that. I like that VBS. That's a good idea, and that's that's not one that I thought of. So, right on. I like it, VBS. Good job. I like where your head's at, folks. See, you got well. By the time you're all hearing this, it's going to be a moot point because most of Fan Denver we record though. But this is the kind of thing that we're looking for. If you, if you, I think we should say, if you do send us recommendations, mm-hmm. you have to include how it will incorporate into the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You pick a movie, you pick a snack. That's how it goes. Exactly. And everybody gets one of each. <laughs> there you go. Now it's correct. Oh, all right. Well, uh, what did you have for snacks, Mr. Oh, snack Master? Okay, like I said, we need uh, baby pterodactyl plushies yes. in the restaurant. We need to make that. And, and some of them have like little like plastic crystal skulls in their mouth. That are like not removable? Well, they're kind of like stone in there, but it's it's like it's kind of like a choking hazard. So, like, don't like it's not for like ages like three and under. Okay, okay. <laughs> it could be dislodged from the baby pterodactyl's mouth. Um, I would imagine also you should probably have plushies too of the the caterpillar like dog, the dog a pillar. Oh God! Can we do something to make it not look so like nauseating? Hi. This thing did not look good. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> I know you did, Rob. Uh, I'm, no. just, I'm just waiting for this episode to drop, and you're gonna uh, on Twitter. You're gonna start to get pictures of of the caterpillar dog, and people are gonna be like, "Look at my pet. Care about it, Rob." And you're gonna be like, "Rob does not look at Twitter for this go exact to, reason." <laughs> go, go to the Knights of Vader Facebook group, then you'll get Rob to look at it. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll look at it, but I'm gonna completely ignore it. That's <laughs> all right. The only uh, the only true way. To actually carry out my feelings on people posting pictures of their animals, completely ignore them. <laughs> but no, I think merchandise. We need more merch. Like much like in the past, we needed more drinks. Now we need merchandise. True. Yeah, we've talked about the gift shop and stuff, and and you know, like the giveaways, the freak DVD, the bump of coke, stuff like that. But you know, it'd be good to have a little. You know, keep them in the restaurant a little longer. Let them look around, see what they can find, type of thing. And then we charge them exorbitant gift shop prices for it. I like the idea that we have the free bump of Coke as you're leaving the restaurant, but in the gift shop, we sell a replica bump of Coke that costs like twenty nine ninety nine, <laughs> Like just flour or, or dairy no, salt or something? No, no. <laughs> what was that thing in your mother? Okay, this is, a story. this is a while now, but I remember this story. Rod's mother told us once that she was at a party in what, college? And there was a girl. Oh, was the, like a dr- the, the detergent. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's That's one of my mom's favorite stories to tell. Specifically to me, because she's like, don't get fucked up. Don't snort detergent. Because apparently when my mother was at a party, high school, college, I don't remember exactly. But she told me how some girl was like so fucked up on drugs that she snorted like powdered laundry detergent thinking it was Coke or something. 
and it fucking just annihilated her septum. Like, just her septum was like destroyed after that. Like, it ate a hole through her nose or something. It was crazy. Love it. <laughs> so that's that's We've your all been there, folks. We, we We've sell all been the there. detergent. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. But we sell, we give the bump of coke away for free, but we sell the replica for twenty nine ninety nine. You too can recreate your time at the Cinemodities restaurant. <laughs> okay, I like not it. for I like not, not not. It has a little disclaimer on it. Not for nasal consumption. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, more merchandise because there's not really a lot of like food items in this. Not blatant. We can, yeah. we, can, we can always have virgin sacrifices. I imagine we haven't tapped into that market yet. <laughs> I I felt the same way with the food stuff because it's so scant, but I still tried to pick up on food stuff. I didn't really have any activities or anything for this one, but I like that merchandise. Maybe that's something we should keep in mind as we go through fan member. Since they are fans' choices, if we love something like the pterodactyl in this one, we can adapt it for the gift shop type of thing. Exactly. Oh, and on the tag, like on the on the wing of the pterodactyl plush or something, it'll have like the tag with the barcode or something and things like that. And on the inside, we can say something that's like this item was recommended by and then, you know, give a shout out to the person. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. And then if that person ever comes to the restaurant, we mark up the plush <laughs> for them. So like if VBS ever wants to come and buy this, it's going to be like an extra 25 percent or something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I like to imagine at the end of this, like, uh, fan member, like, we keep talking about, well, now the Cinemati's restaurant has grown. Now it's, like, the size of, like, a small country. But before it was it was in the former residence, so it was at Mars 2112. Yeah. And I like to imagine someone, like, Googles that and, like, goes to Times Square and finds, like, I don't know, like, the Times Square Foot Locker or Lord knows what is there now, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, excuse me, the Cinemati's restaurant's supposed to be here. The person's like, what the hell are you talking about? This podcast said it'd be right here. <laughs> Don't it? Did we ever? Did it ever make it into a recording where I found that dude who like recreated the blueprints of Mars Twenty One Twelve? Remember that link oh, I sent you? you? Oh yeah. Oh, that was a long time ago. Because we were like, "How big is this place really?" And I looked it up, and I think the next week we were like, "Fuck it, it's infinite." <laughs> something like that it became more like in the last few months it's become more and more of an extreme like there's no boundaries the cinematis restaurant knows no bounds <laughs> definitely not yep restaurants without borders literally there we go <laughs> all right did you have any other snacks or merchandise uh no i think like i said food's rather scarce in this uh mm -hmm. i do like the idea maybe of like serving like kind of like you know like they have like the cakes where people uh, jump at them i like the idea of a serving platter and someone just arises out of it i, I love Ooh, that as a concept that's a good one yeah like like uh you lift off the um the, the cover what's that like uh they're called cloches or something on top of serving plates and you lift it up thinking you get like the meal for your family and then just this zombie just kind of rises from above and just walks away <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the zombie, no, the person rises up and then shoots you in the chest. <laughs> like, like a Like a mashed potato gun or something? No, with a real firearm. You're like, oh. wow, that was so realistic. <laughs> I can feel myself bleeding out. We also do hits at the Cinematis restaurant. On top of doing <laughs> parties, kitty parties, we also do professional hits. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need more for um, Law & Order Cinematis. We need more crimes yes. to write about, so there yes. we go. Riska Hargate comes in, it's like, it's arguing with, uh, who was in charge of regular Law and Order before it got canceled? Like the, like the character, you mean? Yeah, who's in charge? Okay, Riska Hargate is in charge of Savu. Who's in charge of Vanilla Law and Order before it got canceled? 
Uh, of the law side, S. Epitha Merkerson, and of the order side, Jack McCoy. Sam okay. Waxton. So, so detective so detective wise. So it's not whoever the other de- name was. Yeah, detective wise would be um Anita Van Buren, because she's the lieutenant, or you know, Lenny Briscoe for the most of the show. Good old Jerry Orbach. Well, Anthony there, An- Anthony I Anderson mean, in the last few seasons. That's what I mean. The last so yes. Yeah, so, so basically we, we have fights between Anthony Anderson and Merskal Hargate over jurisdiction. Okay. Yeah, either Anthony Anderson or Jeremy Sisto. They're the two okay. best detectives. Yep. Yeah, that would be that'd be it, something. It else. becomes a constant turf battle because it's like it was a blatant murder, Mariska. No Anthony Anderson. You see all the weird sexual crap that goes on here. It's all it's always my jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> Zombies aren't sexual, Mariska. How many times do you have to go through this? <laughs> How many times? How many times? 21 seasons of Law and Order, and you've never encountered a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That'd be fine. I'd love to write a parody episode of Law and Order Savu. That, that's what they should do. There should be a contest for Savu. Like, if you, like, you enter it, you have to write like, like a parody script. Oh yeah, I've, it can be as zany as possible. Yeah, I've I've loved ideas like that for a while because so many TV shows have become so, you know, their their formula almost has become so systematic and maybe you know, for lack of a better phrase that I can think of, part of the zeitgeist where it's like it becomes just a writing exercise. Like I'm sure there's like some school where people are writing screenplays or teleplays, and it's just like their homework assignment is you know write an episode of Law and Order because that's so formulaic write an episode of family guy you know it's so formulaic it's just a different test of your abilities that's i love that idea for sure i think oh god like would be it would be a tv show okay i gotta go one i remember god this was years ago they did this they had the writers of two and a half men in csi swaps you had basically <laughs> you okay okay you get the premise we yeah. should do law and order savu with vernon chapman and john lee Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> One of the detectives would be Clarence. <laughs> In Chauncey. Yes. Oh man. That'd be now, awesome. That's what I want. Okay, you know what, VBS? I loved House 2, the second story, but the real gem of this discussion <laughs> is having Vernon Chapman and John Lee write episode of Law and Order Oh, Wordsworth is the lawyer. <laughs> I'm going to tell the jury why honesty is the most important virtue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I want I want that bad now, Rob. I want oh, yeah. Wonder remember, Shows in Savo. Remember we watched the episode of Wonder Shows in Four the sketch comedy Fort Month that had Christopher Maloney in it. There's precedent. There's precedent. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. There is there's an end. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god! And I'm sure Christopher Maloney would join us because you know he. I think he's still bitter that they he, they couldn't we renegotiate his contract for this show. Oh my god! Okay, Rob, how much grant money do we need to? Or how much money? How much money from Mark Cuban <laughs> do we need to get this done? I'm just thinking going on Shark Tank and be like, "What's your business? We want to hire Christopher Maloney for what? Don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> That's another idea for a Rob and Zach premise is going on uh, uh, this should be an entire episode of Shark Tank devoted to Cinemonis. It's just it's like us. we have just six <laughs> things to pitch. <laughs> That's what it's for the hour. They reject every idea. It's like you already had your six. Nope, nope, we got more. We have backups just in case. <laughs> All right, Mark Cuban. Why do you keep asking Mark Cuban? There's 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 like five other of us. He's the only important one. <laughs> Definitely. All right, we have this idea for a restaurant. Okay, what do you serve at the restaurant? That's not important. The going away present is a bump of Coke and a freak DVD. 
Here's a hundred plus episodes of our podcast. <laughs> Listen to that if you want to find out the inner workings of our business. Okay. <laughs> well, how many how much square footage is the restaurant? Well, we don't know exactly. You don't know. It's still well, be being fair, started out. <laughs> we have explorers sent out. It's kind of like Lewis and Clark. Every week we send somebody out, but they never come back. <laughs> Imagine. What do you mean, Lewis and Clark? Imagine you ever see the movie Annihilation. <laughs> No, well, imagine that, but it's a restaurant. <laughs> yes. Every single time we say annihilation, and the sound plays. And they're like, where is this coming from? Like, we don't know. We've just learned to accept it at this point. It's best not to question things. Oh, my God. There was actually a product pitch on Shark Tank. I have no fucking idea what season it was, but it was basically for like little pads you could put into your clothes. And when you did certain motions or hit the pads, it would play music. And the whole gist was like, you, your body can be the DJ. It was like a novelty thing. Oh, we yeah. Fucking get, we get one of those and put a pad somewhere on our body so that when we hit it or move in a certain way, it plays the Annihilation. <laughs> and so we could just literally walk around on our day-to-day -day lives. And every time we say that word, we play that sound and it's going to be perfect. Wasn't that... No, that was a that was a toy that actually okay, I'm not doubting it was on Shark Tank. But that was an actual toy. I remember that from oh, like yeah. the late eighties where you could like put the things on your arm and like how you bopped certain parts of your body, you'd have like a B. Mm-hmm. I think that the existed. Shark Tank Yeah, I think the Shark Tank version was like the upscale version for like, you know, musical production or something. Oh, sure. And so but but that would that's exactly when, you know, if we in real time need to make that noise, that's the best way for us to do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, either that or we have a giant button on like a podium in front of us while we're pitching on Shark Tank. <laughs> and whenever somebody says annihilation, we do like a full wind up and slam it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob, first genuine real piece of uh, Cinematis merchandise. Remember those buttons that Staples used to sell? That was easy button. That was you easy. It. Yeah. We get one of those. We get all the surplus stock of those they had to throw out and oh, we God. replace it with this the annihilation sound i might actually do this <laughs> this sounds so right up my alley just to have a button in like the ground floor of my apartment and that don't tell anybody what it is and then just be like press it and then just be like what is this and be like you clearly don't listen to my podcast <laughs> wah, 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 wah. oh i love it what, what does this mean <laughs> wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you bring i need I need that button. I, I feel that I could never pitch Annihilation as a late night movie if I didn't have that button. Because someone's exactly. in my apartment be like, you want to watch Annihilation? Slam the button. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> uh, boy, yeah, exactly. Okay, folks, we figured it out. Let's go home. We have to come in tomorrow. We figured it out. <laughs> we get a day off. Okay, yes, major tangent. Um, but Mac, I didn't give my snacks yet, right? We got off, off the rails? Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Okay, okay, yeah. There, there's only a few. Um, so we get a great line in this where I think Bill Maher tells Jesse's girlfriend that he saw Jesse, you know, being intimate with the girl in the French maid outfit. And the girlfriend just kind of walks up to Jesse and slaps him, and she gets kind of pulled away, and he's like, oh, no, blah, 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 because they got bigger shit going on. But Bill Maher takes the the girlfriend and like lays her down and like goes to like a couch or something and he says she's like having a panic attack or something 
And she, he's like, what do you need? Can I get you anything? And she goes, Valium. Get me a Valium. Oh, yeah. And I, I, lo- I literally rewound it because I was like, did she say Valium? And then <laughs> Bill Maher like pats his pockets and goes, uh, okay, and leaves the frame. Get you something, dear. Valium. Get me Valium. So, snack number one, Valium. (laughs) I think this actually, I wrote this down just because, you know, Valium. Um, But I think this actually ties into my third snack, which is not only a snack, but a location in the restaurant. It's a closet where you can go and drink. Oh. So, if 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 we remember, you know, in this, in our house too, we get that scene where, um, they're trying to get the skull, the skull out of the pterodactyl's mouth. Gramps is in the kitchen looking for beer. Bill Mars trying to, you know, put pressure on him, going, "What the fuck's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you cheating on your girlfriend that I also want to treat badly?" And th- he puts Grandpa in the closet, and then Bill Maher and and the women, everybody's in the scene in the kitchen, and he's like, "What's in the closet? Nothing. Can you show me nothing in the closet?" And then Jesse like breaks down and does like the quick. 45 second recap of the movie to the other people. And so Bill Maher is like, why are you being stupid? Like, why are you lying to us? And he, Jesse opens the closet to show them Gramps, like the decrepit ancient Gramps that's there. And when he opens the closet, it's the French maid outfit lady, his girlfriend. And she just has a bottle of champagne and she's clearly hammered because even at the end of the scene, when he, Jesse's like, what are you doing in here, Rochelle? She's like, I waited for you for so long and shakes like the empty champagne bottle. So what about this? You come into the restaurant with your kids, fucking kids. They've been driving you up a wall all day and all you want is some free time away from them. So you drop them off in the sin emodities portion of the restaurant. Maybe order them a few antifreezes. Who knows? You set them up nice. Maybe get them a pizza. I don't even know if we have pizza. The parent then looking for a break gets a Valium, gets a bottle of champagne, and they get their own little closet to just sit in and, and drink it away. It's yeah. like, the, it's like, it's like the, the parents' lounge at a Chuck E. Cheese or something, but you just get to sit in there in your own little closet, drink it. I guess it doesn't have to be champagne. It could be any alcohol. Um, and, of course, the door to this closet or closets, I don't know how popular this is going to be, on each and every single one, you know what it's going to say, right, Zach? No liability. liability. Because you better believe I just told you to take like a, a painkiller and alcohol at the same time, which you really shouldn't do unless you're paying for it in our restaurant and you've signed away all liability. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo folks. So, so yeah, I wrote down value and then I came up with the closet idea. So I decided to combine them. Um, the other snack I have, we only get to see it very briefly, but I was trying to get a sense of what the is being made for dinner in that scene that we've discussed earlier where he, you know, Jesse gives the whole, this is my family now. And, and the, the caterpillar dog has a bib on the other thing. Oh, I, I can't believe you didn't mention this before, but I love the fact that in movie time, it's like what an hour or two they go and they rescue the Aztec virgin who speaks no English. And then they go back into the house and she's the one making dinner. Yes. Like how the fuck would she know how to use a kitchen? In any way, shape, or form. And it, the only two things I think, it, in the dinner scene, when right before Jesse gives his speech, I think she's serving what looks like mashed potatoes. So yeah, mashed like potatoes, that, yeah. I guess, or like maybe grits. It, it was, you know, just all white, very kind of, you know, clumpy. So that's why I was thinking mashed potatoes, but who really knows? Um, 
it was probably just like thick Elmer's glue for production status, right? <laughs> Something like that, but yeah. In in the earlier scene, when they show her actually like making dinner, and and the friend is like Jesse, I think she likes you, you know. And he has the whole scene. He's like, "Who do you like? Who do you like better, me, the fun one, or Charlie, or or, or Jesse?" And she throws like whatever she's working with at Charlie. I it looks like she's rolling balls of of some type of batter with flour. Yeah. So, I don't know what donut holes, pierogies, not pierogies, gnocchi, like, it, they never show it any further than that. But, I, I mean, what else could you be rolling small balls of flour for, for a dinner, you know? Yeah, no, that's, like, I, I realized that, yeah. but who, who knows, Rob? They don't have a deep, I don't think they would have a deep fryer in this house, so they can't make donut holes. <laughs> gnocchi you could make, but when she throws the ball at Charlie, like, there's the biggest fucking gnocchi in the world. Like, Gnocchi, you're not that big. So I, I was confused about what she was making. But um, Aztec Virgin, hit us up. Tell us what you were making. Or, uh, sorry, sorry. Let me correct that, Zach. Aztec Virgin, hit us up. <laughs> what were you making? Making. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> but that was it. I tried to pull from that dinner scene. Um, so maybe we get some good old mashed potatoes in here. And... Um, yeah, I, well, maybe one day we'll find out. Maybe on my second watch, I'll pay more attention, see if I can garner anything from it. But, but no, light on the snacks. But I'm glad uh, we got a, a shout out from the person who requested this movie. We dig it. Indeed, folks. Indeed. So, uh, if nothing else to be said, um, I know we can't talk about what we're going to do next week because that's still up in the air. Um, but tune in. Your choice might be selected. Yes, folks, we're keeping it ambiguous. Let's let's put it that way. We know, but we're just keeping it uh, under wraps right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. We don't, you know, we don't leave anything to chance, right? <laughs> no, not, not on the Cinemonities podcast. We're above that sort of thing. So uh, I would say, uh, since uh, everybody knows the topic of, of last week's episode, uh, our first episode in November was Dr. Sleep. I guess I'm going to, before we end things, I want to throw it over to Zach. Um I can go get a sandwich or something. Did you want to do like a 30 minute Dr. Sleep shining spot again? 45 minutes, you know, just give me, give me a time. I, I'll, I'll make it work. I'm, I'm tempted, Rob. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> I want yep. people to know we have not, we have not, dis- we haven't done the uh, Dr. Sleep yet, folks, but there is more stuff that I still need to talk about the shining that you will have heard last week. But as of now, I have not said it. There is still more stuff to delve into. So even after next week's episode, which I'm sure is going to be a doozy in terms of length, and in terms of hot takes. So many. Uh, tune into that. And if there's anything left over, we'll insert it. You'll hear a beep here. <laughs> Zach has to do a, a, like a diatribe, a m- monologue in his apartment at like 2 a.m. one morning. <laughs> oh, boy. You know it, folks. You know it. All right. Well, then, uh, I think um, I do have a thought for how I want to end this episode. Of course, doing something in reverse. Um, I think that it's only fitting that we take the song that uh, attracts the attention of the record uh, label producer girlfriend. So that song that's played by Charlie's girlfriend that, you know, we get to hear for maybe 30 seconds. How, what do you think about that? Some, sure. some diegetic music inside our movie, play it out in reverse. Yes, right. We haven't have enough diegetic music. We'll no, do it with a Scientologist on board. <laughs> All right. So that'll sound good. Another thank you to VBS official. Thanks for sending this one our way. Um, I usually have to say thank you to Zach, but thank you to you once again. I never, ever would have watched this movie if it wasn't requested for this podcast. So, so look, folks, 
you can you can win us both over. You know, Emily, sorry that you got one of us and only one of us. But you know, VBS, good good for you. You used your one well. Good job, VBS. You did good. You hit a home run. <laughs> you did good, pig. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> 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 